Well, boys, looks like you started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? My name is Eric, and please pronounce the second movie's title, Michael Kester. Arrebato. All right, that's fine. What's the second movie? The first movie is a lot easier. You want to do? I'll give you the. You want to do, pronounce the first movie for me? Un el photo appelé électrique. <laughs> I don't know. One hour photo. Yeah, it's great. One hour photo. Those are the movies we're hey, talking. It's about. one hour photo. Look at this. You remember this movie? Well, that's like a whole thing, man. Um, we're talking about, we're talking about film today, but like not film, like films about film, like capital F films about lowercase film singular. Oh yeah. You're asking about this, the A word analog. Yeah. We're talking about, uh, uh, two lost movies, right? Let's just put it, let's just call it out. Talk about the ideas that they propose and the ideas that they bring out of one another. Uh, I have an idea. Please. Go to patreon.com forward slash double feature. Put some money into our Patreon. Fund the show. Keep the show alive. Keep the pairs rolling. It's definitely not too late to be part of the show, be part of the rest of the year. And, you know, send us some messages. Let, let us know what you think of dragging you through Oh, just bizarre week after week of the show. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, Arabato especially is, how'd I do on that pronunciation, by the way? Is that all right? It was pretty good. Yeah, it was a good Americanization. Great, great. Which is all that matters. This movie especially, just because there was this sort of fucking fever around the re-release and I wanted to be part of it and then I wanted everybody else to be part of it. Fever's a good word. So we, uh, rather than leave this movie kind of cloaked in shadow and, or, you know, cloaked in anonymity, if we're, depending on how honest versus sexy we're making it sound, mm -hmm. you know, anonymity versus shadow, I guess. But we wanted to bring the Arabato to you and, you know, convince you to dust your one hour photo off your shelf. We know everybody's got a copy of this movie somewhere. It's Everybody the, has a copy. Yeah. Yeah. But you yeah, haven't seen it in like 20 years. So, yeah. Can we talk a little bit about your, uh, your proposition to me, which I, of course, took the bait for on the show? Wait, which proposition? Your one hour photo Arabato proposition. That's oh, the. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. Whew. I was like, uh oh, this is an intervention. Can you leave the homoerotic undertones for the second movie, please? I don't know why you <laughs> feel the need to invoke that already. Uh, well, no, you told me you were like, hey, you're kind of doing like film or something. Yeah. And that was, that was sort of like your, I was like, say no more. Mm -hmm. Finally, my expertise will no longer go unutilized. Right. So I don't know how much of that is actually still of interest or relevant to you at all. But what I'm going to do to make you uh, overly courageous to just lob any potential topics of interest at me here okay, is tell you that I am now a complete expert on analog film. And if you have any questions about anything, okay, top to bottom, the whole pipeline, okay, whatever you need to know, I'm here for you today. And if I don't know it, I'll just... Um, carefully edit it out to make myself sound smarter. So that'll be good. Right on. 
Yeah. How important is a zero three shift in the blues on a... <laughs> Do you know how much... Okay, let's talk about one hour photo. <laughs> Do you know how much of this movie I was just like... I'm totally behind you, man. Nobody cares yeah, about the I've, quality the whole time. I'm just like, <laughs> well, you know, okay. So here's like, a, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like there was, I, I could hear you be like, yo, back the fuck off. I all, he calibrated the machines. Of course, this is where he's getting his film developed. You fucking asshole. Well, one of the things that kills me about the analog stuff is that you have to, um, like none of this exists anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so cool about watching this movie today is it changes so much from like just what photography was back at the time. But, you know, companies don't make these cameras anymore. Few and fewer places produce the films. And so much of uh, photography in general has advanced. Mm -hmm. But analog photography is not really advanced. And so, you know, things like how do you scan and digitize the film? I mean, basically the cutting edge technology runs on like Windows 95, you know? I mean, it's fucking crazy because they just stopped inventing all this stuff. Right. It's not quite that bad, but it is pretty... Sure. It is pretty bad. Sure. Should we logline this sucker first? Yeah, this is, uh, this is an easy one. Cy, the photo guy, works at, I don't know, like Walmart or something. Uh, He's a photo developer at the photo development station at this superstore and uh, becomes obsessed with a family whose photos he's been developing for years. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really cool, you know, it's one of those things that you think thought about everything's in the past tense, right? Because this is just essentially like you, you want to talk about a movie you couldn't make anymore. Here's literally one. Yeah. Like you literally couldn't even find a set. Um, well, you, you also can't find that Fox money to make movies like this anymore. That's right. Honestly, man, a lot of times we look back on stuff and that's the weirdest part to me is I'm like, did they build this? Would they have built this? Did they build his uh, city apartment, his vague city apartment? Doesn't really right. look like a real apartment. Who? What What studio would pay this much money to build? A, oh, it's like when Fox had indie. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> when like Columbia and Searchlight weren't all just, you know, fun things Disney calls itself. It's also it so... It's fucking about... It's so telling of the era too, because I love, I love entertaining a planet in which Fox built a Walmart... <laughs> That would but be crazy, like, right? But but then like but then like wouldn't pay for like better cameras. I know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot too that makes this movie creepy because it is a kind of Walmart or a mega franchise, you know, chain store. Sure. That they're in. Sure. Because if they were in a boutique place, don't mind the sounds of New York outside my fucking <laughs> fucking window here. Well, this is also cool. I mean, I got into a lot of analog photography because New York makes it easy. It's it's a fucking bastion for this mm -hmm. in a way that L.A. wasn't even. I mean, I live down the street from a place that uh, develops 35 millimeter in-house and will train you. Mm -hmm. Big uh, plug for Mono Noaware. If you happen to be in New York, you want to learn photo stuff. Uh, very cool people there. But, you know, these boutique places... Like when I started before I was developing my own stuff, I was getting it developed at this street photography collective. Mm -hmm. And they didn't give a fuck. I wasn't doing street photography. They're just like, yeah, give us a couple bucks or whatever. We'll develop your role. It's very like, um, what's the word? Like, um, I don't know, ragtaggy, very. 
Mm-hmm. I'd kind of call them up, see if they forgot about me, you know. But a boutique place like that, it wouldn't really be that weird if I were to go in there and they were to be like, oh yeah, we peeked through all your photos. Let's uh, talk about what's going on in them. Because mm-hmm. there's like only 10 people that work there. But at some mega franchise, there's just something about these chains that make it, you know, like Walmart's supposed to be a sterile place. Mm-hmm. A Maybe Walmart's a bad example for sterile, but you know what I mean? You yeah. go to a Walgreens photo development. Sure. And they're supposed to, it's like you're talking to a robot. They're not supposed to have any humanity right. to them. It's at the corner of happy and healthy. So, you know, I, I think that the fact it's in a place like this, that these one hour photo place chain places like this existed that were just McDonald's photo development really lend itself to pushing along what, you know, for the first act might not even be that weird Mm -hmm. if it weren't kind of couched in that, you know, you are absolutely not supposed to say any of these things here. Because I I think it plays with that, you know, that line a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a thing, right? So, so taking a step outside the film, uh, this was at the time and for a while after until it was utterly swept under the rug. Uh, the one scary movie Robin Williams did, you know, mm-hmm. it's the one time mm-hmm. he was creepy. He's supposed to be that fun loving guy, but this is the one time he was creepy. And I'm like, literally watch half his movies. Yeah. Like watch insomnia, watch fucking death to smooch. Like he's not always an above. He's not patch Adams a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Well, even this thriller thing, I remember trying to chase the feeling of one-hour photo with a movie he had, I think it was called Final Cut, yep. you know, a couple summers later yeah. or whatever the fuck, because one-hour photo gave me that that uh, kind of glimmer of like, oh, Robin Williams playing creepy is really fucking cool. So one of the things about both movies today, and I just wanted to, I want to warn everybody ahead of time, I probably should have warned at the top of the show, but you know, that would require foresight and I don't have it. Both of these movies are like laden with references to other films that either borrowed or stole. It, one of the men I'm talking about both of these movies are especially because I didn't know, but this movie too, I'm constantly checking timestamps. I'm like, when did this come out? When did that come out? Which one was first? But there is a, I kind of like made a joke about how you couldn't make this movie today because there's no way to do photo development and become obsessed with a family and insert yourself into their life. But that's actually not true because there is a version of this movie similar to a movie like Ingrid Goes West that actually plays in a modern sense, which is if, and, and this is, everybody is guilty of this if you're on social media, myself included. There's this thing that exists even in society. There are people, human beings, that I haven't spoken to in five, ten years. But if I were to run into them on the street, I know what they did yesterday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. There's sort of this like bizarre network within social media where we are so plugged into who are essentially strangers at this point. And because we don't see backwards into, so I'm a perfect example, right? I don't put, I literally, actually we both are. We don't update our Instagrams really for shit. Mm. You more than me and you almost not at all. So (laughs) like, uh, we don't update our Instagrams for shit, but that doesn't mean I don't use Instagram. That doesn't mean I don't, you know, go through a doom scroll now and again. Sure. And so just that point alone, there are people on my social media feed 
who I know everything that they've done for the last five, 10 years. And if they were to look at my, if it, it, and it's not reciprocated mm-hmm. because I haven't posted anything in two years. So in that sense, I'm a little bit of a sigh to that person. Yeah. If they were to run into me, they'd be like, holy shit, you're still alive. What are you doing in San Francisco? All of these things I didn't know were changed about your life. Meanwhile, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm like, how was Universal Studios last weekend? I see that, you know, you, you, you got married recently. That sort of human dynamic, it's really creepy in the sense of one hour photo, but it's sort of become like this ashamedly ubiquitous thing that people don't think about. Like we're all sigh now. It's creepy how not creepy it is. Yeah. The thing that hit me the most about it is I'm watching it and I'm asking kind of what are the themes and how does it play? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's about this guy who is a lonely guy, but also kind of a psychopath. And we're watching it to see, you know, how far will he go, I think is part of it. Mm -hmm. We know. And how bad is he? Yeah, right, right. But the movie additionally thinks we need to know why he does it. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that I thought was funny seeing it now and why I I really wanted to headline this one is like dust off one hour photo and watch it again Mm -hmm. because of how fucking relevant and in a way different it is. Mm -hmm. It's black and white for me. I mean, when the movie comes out, Psy is an outsider. He's not us. He's the person we're afraid of. What if... You know, the common person in your life who does some kind of task that you just wave high to, you don't have that kind of relationship. What if that crazy person invites themselves in? And I think, you know, because it's Robin Williams and because it follows him the way it does, we're a little sympathetic in ways, but it's mostly, look at this guy, he's scary. Whereas today, it's completely different to me. This guy is us. This guy is everyone. Mm -hmm. The idea of somebody lonely at home who puts on, you know, a happy face around everyone else, i.e. on their own timeline, maybe. Isn't it creepy that they're actually sitting back, scrolling through just photo after photo, a a sort of timeline of all photos Mm -hmm. and knows everything you've done, has seen your your family grow. I mean, this is just us. This is everybody who uses it. Mm -hmm. And it's really changed the way that I perceive this character from when I would watch this movie, you know, back 15 years ago, Mm -hmm. is that I look at him so much more sympathetically. This is much more a story of like an exaggerated version of maybe what this job drives a person to do sure, rather than what if this crazy person worked at this particular job. Totally. It feels it's, it's honestly like one gushing eye scene away from not a horror movie at all anymore. Yeah. And I, I uh, think that's weird given what it's about, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a movie that when it came out, I think there was something that always held this movie back for me. The sort of like, 2000s-isms, whatever the fuck that, you know, Yeah. Yeah. um, when it came out. And now it's been enough time that not only does that not hold a movie like this back, I mean, we go back and watch movies just because they scratch an itch to see a movie from that era. 
it's that aesthetic now. Yeah, for so, sure. So now that helps it. Every single thing that I was kind of like, eh, this looks a little too much, like kind of just some of the stuff coming out today mm-hmm. was probably a feeling I had when I saw it. It's still a movie I loved, but all of that today looks like, oh, and this time and this play. And the fact it's about a sort of like dying medium of a thing that barely sure, exists anymore sure. just makes that so much better. It's also super funny too, because just to like go back and, and complete this circle, you didn't tell me about your foray into analog film development. We talk at least once a week and honestly like every oh, day, yeah, but like yes, let's just say yes. at least once a week. But you never really went like, hey, so I'm actually experimenting with analog film. Yeah. You just kind of like updated your Instagram. You're like, here's me developing shit. And then it was like, okay, now I know that. And we can just talk about that. That's the thing I know. And it's funny because it's like not even a thing that I would. It's not like I'm sitting here like, why didn't you tell me, dude? Because I wouldn't expect you to like offhand text me and be like, hey, just wanted to let you know I'm doing film now. Like, that's a weird thing. So it it's it's you know to go back to what you said about how creepy it is to not be creepy it's yeah. insane to look at the scenario that the the walls that have been shed since one hour photo because i see Sai toward the end of one hour photo as like oh no he like he's just so socially unplugged that he doesn't understand that like you can't go photograph people in a hotel room You know, he thinks he's white knighting, but he just doesn't understand. You know, he's like, I I just see him as more of like a sympathetic incel and way less (laughs) of like. Probably not a phrase I would use. A psychopath who has inserted himself. I mean, we watched, we watched TFW, no GF. Those guys exist. He's, uh, he's like patient zero Instagram for me. Yeah. Yeah. This is the the guy that the algorithm poisoned before it poisoned right. the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is something that uh, I struggle with all the time. That's true, actually. Sorry to interrupt, but no, that's no, like ahead. literally what he does. His, his job is to basically, he's, he's basically got a, he's, he's got analog Instagram. Yeah. People post, people come in and update photos <laughs> uh-huh. and he goes through all of them and he goes, okay, I know what that person's up it's to. It's like a, a telephone switchboard operator. Sure. You know, that right. but for Instagram. Cause yeah. that's, that's the thing that that's another thing that I think about that happens in real life is he's never met the husband before mm-hmm. and yet recognizes him in the store. Yeah. And I'm the same way with people that like I went to high school with. Sure. I would know their husband if I saw them because of how many fucking photos have been updated. I'd be like, Oh yeah, that person's married to this person. Meanwhile, they have literally they they have, a zero understanding of my existence. Very strange. That's why I think about this line all the time in the movie. And that's cool because that is primarily, I think, what the movie's playing with is, uh, you know, he's nice to them in the store. That doesn't cross a line. But maybe he sees them at a different place in the mall. That crosses a line. Right. You know, is it weird to go to the kids' uh, baseball game? It's like, yeah, but only because of his role in society. Exactly. Like think of him, think of him like an automated grocery teller. Like if he was a robot grocery teller and he showed up at your kid's baseball game, you'd be like, this is fucking strange because that is a self-checkout machine. 
Oh, yeah, but if he was uh, maybe a teacher or something, you know, if he was a priest. A neighbor. In a small suburban town. Yeah. Yeah, then people aren't going to, or the coach of the team or what the fuck ever. All of these other roles that now also have like an extra connotation of creepy person to them. Right. But I think especially at this moment, you know, it wouldn't be questioned as much. And so that's interesting, kind of watching that, that line. Yeah, but to me, the this asks this larger question of how we interact in a society where we're all like we're beyond the point of making jokes about stalking each other. That's the primary way we interact now. Sure, and I have been trying to live my life much more like a radical in the real world mm-hmm. than digitally, and uh, and that's one of the reasons I got into analog too. Like when I started with. Uh, filmmaking, I was doing it digitally because that was going against the grain. That's where I saw a tactical advantage. Oh, people aren't doing this yet, but I can see what's coming. But now everybody shoots digitally. And so analog became more appealing to me because it gave me something different immediately. Mm -hmm. And I think about this even in just living daily life, trying to find a way, what if there was a way where we could all live together in some kind of community wherein we didn't have to use computers to filter our exchanges with each other through these these giant corporate entities like Meta that we know not only don't have our best um, interests in mind, but really do have our worst interests in mind, mm-hmm. are looking to just sure. utilize us like uh, disposable resources as quickly as possible. Which is, it's funny because that's, you know, that like sort of anti-main character syndrome is how that that you're talking about with a co- corporation like Meta is also how this family views Psy, right? It's the mm-hmm. same, it's is sort of this disposable number um, it's there's that scene that's actually like really tough to watch um, in hindsight where the the young boy goes like I feel bad for Sai and the mom the mom's reaction she's like why she asks why yeah yeah but but she knows why yeah but she just doesn't want to think about the fact that that's a human being mm-hmm. she's trying really hard to divorce herself from the very obvious understanding that he is a lonely strange man. And so when her son forces her to confront that, she makes up this out. He's probably got a girlfriend. That's outlandish. Of course, he doesn't have a girlfriend. (laughs) Look at his hair. I mean. Yeah. Look at his fucking hair. The designer Robin Williams character in this is so good. It's just (laughs) like instantly. It's not quite the level of like always unrecognizable. Mm -hmm. But there's a couple deliberate choices that are just like make Robin Williams look not like the friendly guy we all know. Sure. And that was something that, that brought me to the movie really early. Like you just see his character in it and you go, oh, this is, yeah. Blonde. Robin Williams is blonde. Yeah, but it's also like this kind of weird, like I, I think they're shaving the front of his head and then putting like sort of a, mm-hmm. it's like a comb over, but only in the middle of the, it's weird. I've yeah. never seen anyone else with this haircut. It's very strange and upsetting and perfect. So I'm curious what you make of, Arabato and how we even fucking talk about it. But uh, it might be maybe good to start with like where the fuck it came from or I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, we can, we can, do, so the thing that I think is important at the onset of a conversation about Arabato 
is that oftentimes on the show, you know, we do this log line thing, which we'll do in a second, but we, we try and log line the movie and we kind of always have this thing, you know, it's literally the essence of double feature, right? It's like what a movie is about is not what happens in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if ever in the history of our show, we've had a movie where I could tell you, I could, I could, I could spell the log line out for you beat for beat. And it tells you nothing about what goes on in this film. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. It's, they are two different things. The plot and the movie are not the same. They're like laid over each other for just for posterity. So we'll logline it. But yeah, so this was this, you know, we were joking about one hour photo being a lost movie because like it only exists on DVD and doesn't exist anywhere else on planet earth. That's not true anymore, but uh, this was actually a lost movie. Yeah, well, this thing's pretty crazy. I started seeing it advertised as a movie that had never been released in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And it's from, what is it, 1979 or something? Right. Right? Yeah. Late 70s, Mm -hmm. early 80s. Uh, I think it is 79. But I just couldn't, I, I literally could not believe that. I'm just like, how in today's age is there a movie that mm-hmm. just didn't appear here? And, of course, you know, I... I wanted to see that. I had to know what that was. But this was another thing that like, man, I feel like New York just does so much of my work for me now on the goddamn show. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, again, I've talked about this a couple of times, but one of the things nobody told me about moving here was that there's so many fucking art houses. It's just crazy. Yeah. And, you know, I really wanted to make an effort in my first year here to go to all of them, really. Yeah. And get a sense of like, well, what plays here? How is the the culture of film different? And like, what do you know, what does it really feel like to go to an art house when it's not just like draft house and then the one that's like slightly more obscure, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you have this many, they get more and more and more obscure until you really feel like okay, art house is like a garage somewhere where they project things you've never fucking heard of ever in your life. And the idea that, um, I don't know, in my most jaded moments, the idea that there's even something I've never heard of or have no connection to right, is an increasingly rare experience. Sure. Not, in, not entirely. There's so many movies out there, of course. But well, and there's also spheres that I'm just absolutely blind to. Oh yeah, yeah. But how do you, you know, find like those? Sean William Scott movies? <laughs> like I've literally never seen one. I wouldn't be able to tell you the name right. of one. But you know who he is, right? The idea of like a director and a cast you've just never heard of. That. I literally just said three white guys' first names in a row, and I nailed it. That's all that happened. <laughs> right, yeah, it's good. So I would find that. A place like Draft House, which is this great way of bringing some more underground cinema into like kind of a more mainstream, it makes some of this culture more accessible, I think, right? Yeah. It's a lot of people's gateway into more obscure theater and cinema. And you really do get to the level here where it's kind of like so independent, you're not even sure if you'd call it a theater. There's a theater in New York that literally has an iMac in the room that I sat in front of that plays the movie to the screen. Wow. And I mean, they, they, this theater actually shows like pretty big movies, which is really funny. Mm-hmm. They'll show like The Fast and the Furious or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
but just the idea that it's it's like a cafe with an iMac that somehow gets these movies when they come out in normal theaters and they play Bond. It's very funny. That's awesome. But yeah, you have places like Spectacle or Anthology Film Archive was the one that played this. And Anthology is, uh, you know, huge into experimental shorts and experimental films. They are a gigantic archive of this and obviously analog photography, analog motion picture. Mm -hmm. So you get to see all these things on 35 and sometimes really beat up 35, which I always uh, think is, you know, kind of the most fun to see these things like weathered and and feel, um, I don't know, feel like the the fucking ghosts of viewing past if you really want to get like, you know, romantic about it. But we talked about this on The Witch That Came From The Sea, how that can actually mm-hmm. change, you know, the feeling. So I was going here, I'm going to Roxy, I'm going to IFC Center, Film Forum, all of these places, and they're all, everybody there is talking about fucking Arabato. And I'm just like, what is this thing? And then we started seeing the trailer. And, uh, you know, it's kind of cut like a trailer for a modern movie. Mm-hmm. Nighthawk cuts trailers like this, but Drafthouse actually cuts a lot of their their like pre roll stuff, mm-hmm. where they will recontextualize repertory screenings and make them kind of play like, wouldn't this be fun if you are a person alive in modern Earth? Sure, to see this movie, right? And so it just started seeming like something special, like this magic thing. So what is this movie from 1979 and why was it gone and why did it really never come out here and like what the fuck is it? And it just sort of looked like a movie that was some kind of crazy I don't know just a thing from a a thing from a lost era. Mm-hmm. And it created this sort of lore around it. And that made me want to be part of it. It made me want mm-hmm. to want to go to it and go like what is this thing and why is everybody talking about it and what could actually be contained within the movie? I mean, that's the biggest mystery is you kind of read what it's about or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then immediately I went home, you know, very um, arms crossed. I'm like, I'm going to fucking get this thing on iTunes. It's, I'm sure it's released in the US. That's crazy. And it's not on iTunes. And I'm like, guys, I have just watched.com. I know how to find movies. I'm very good at finding movies. Okay, I'll figure it out. And, uh, you know, even all the French stuff we're watching and VPNs and all of it. And I just couldn't get a fucking copy of this movie with like English subtitles. Yeah. Because it it truly did never come out in America. So it comes out. And you and I, I just showed you actually, we're looking at it last time. Uh, We're looking at the trailer for it again. And the fucking trailer has this gag in it that I feel like we should call people's attention to because it... I think it was the same for you. Like it flew under the radar for me, mm-hmm. the logo, right? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even catch that. The yeah. So there's this company. If you watch a lot of stuff from this era, there's this company called Janus Films. Yeah. And you know, like a lot of Criterion's releasing and a lot of the things that are distributed. I don't know. Sort of more. Um, Criterion's probably a good, you know, a good name check yeah. that tells people like where a lot of these movies sort of live. Classic stuff repertory stuff, things that have withstood the test of time, mm-hmm. and honestly, some more obscure titles. And I assumed it was a Janus Films thing because I remember seeing the logo in the trailer, but I did not catch, as I'm sure anybody who watched it is now just like making fun of me on 
But you said you didn't catch it either, right? Yeah, no, definitely not. All right, well, the opening logo is not the little two faces carved in stone of Janus Films. It's actually Anus Films, and it's two butts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, <I> just, <laughs> and it's so, I don't know why, but it's just like so good that I just never clocked that it was a gag. Yeah. So it's actually a lot more obscure than that, but I think worked in both purposes. I think I just assumed like, oh, Janus Films is putting out some prestigious title. Which, man, like, actually fucking triple worked on me. Yeah. Because then when you watch the movie, you're like, this is too crazy for a, <laughs> you know, like, right. like high flute and fucking release. I don't know. Um, what are you doing for the runtime of this film? What do you mean? <laughs> well, like, like <laughs> all right. So you said you had started by saying you could describe what happens in the film. You could logline the film, but it's not really about the physical events. Right. But the physical events might be a good kind of framework to at least... Oh, I see what you mean. I look at this movie actually a lot like when we watch Chelsea Girls. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, okay, so like, what am I physically going to watch? Maybe let's start there. Yeah, so, I mean, it's basically built on... um, this filmmaker character, uh, what's his name? Luis? Rui? Uh, Jose. Jose. Uh, and then, It's got uh, an accent in it anyways. Good job. Thanks. Nailed it. Jose, Jose's a filmmaker character, and uh, he, gets, he gets a mysterious package from his acquaintance, Pedro, not friend, mm-hmm. acquaintance, Pedro, who sends him, is it, it's two audio tapes and a reel of film. Right, straight out of the Lost Highway, you know. Yeah, and uh, and so it's it, the the movie uh, is basically uh, it's it's essentially Jose going through these items. The audio tapes are about they're 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 secret recordings of the two times Jose and Pedro ever met each other. So that's like a really good device to flash back to those moments. And then the film is sort of the tableau as to what the whole fucking point is. Um, which also makes us a double bookend or a double, uh, framing device show today. And then, you know, it's probably also worth noting that Arabato translates in English to essentially rapture, Mm. not rapture in a biblical sense, rapture and like like when you achieve orgasm by looking at eight millimeter. Yeah, of course. We all know exactly. We're all familiar with the secondary (laughs) definition of rapture. Yes. And that's it. I mean, that's the, that's what goes on. It's, it's essentially Jose sifting through these mysterious items and understanding this metaphysical reality that Pedro may or may not have achieved. It's really, I'll tell you right now, it's really hard to describe the events of this movie for me. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I kept checking when this movie came out, mm-hmm. right? 1979. That's why I know when you said, when did it come out? I'm like 1979 <laughs> because there are so many movies that I'm like, this is that other movie just ripped off Arabato and then was like, <laughs> well, that never came out. So we yes. can just pretend it was our idea. And so it's really hard for me to like talk about the events of this movie without just like mentioning martyrs mm. or, you know, talking about these other, these other, you know, these other amazing movies that are standing on the shoulders of Arabato. Even if his shoulders, even if Arabato's shoulders are, are minuscule shoulders, you cannot deny that there is this sort of kernel of understanding that stems from this crazy little movie. 
How far do you think it, I mean, if you had to take a wager, do you really think the people who made Martyrs have heard of the film, though? Uh, I mean, come on. Absolutely. It's you French, so? dude. It didn't not come out there. Yeah. No, no, no. Martyrs is French. Yes. Yes. Arabato is uh, Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. Sure. Well, it's next door. I've taken, I, I've <laughs> taken a fucking train. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not saying there's no chance. I'm just no, saying I mean, like, it's it's funny. It's you're you're basically asking whether or not we uh, what uh, the car carcination or whatever. I'm asking if every if everybody should be writing them a check. If nature evolved a crab multiple times, you're asking me <laughs> if nature has evolved a crab multiple wow, times. Bold. Um, I don't know why they didn't consult you to write a quote for this American release because that's. <laughs> That's just weird enough to make it on the poster. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But I, I, feel like, I feel like it's chasing the same dragon. Well, because one of the press blurbs that they did get a lot of is, hey, you have to see this. It's Pedro Almodovar's favorite horror movie. And For I think sure. that kind of, of told people it like where it... Yeah. There is a part of this that's like... Um, I don't know, you know, the other thing that made me really sort of skeptical is a couple of years ago, I put out a movie that purports to be a lost film from decades ago. Mm-hmm. So when I hear that there's a lost film from decades ago coming out this year, right. and it looks kind of cursed, I'm just mm-hmm. like, hmm, let's figure out the real lineage of this mm-hmm. uh, movie. But yeah, I think that there is, man, much like that fucking movie, actually, there is a real artistry to like, how do we put this out and how do we package it? And so, you know, you put an Almodovar quote on it and that kind of tells people sort of where it lives and what you might expect Mm -hmm. in a way. Feels like an Almodovar movie. That's just, I mean, that could just be Spanish cinema, but it does feel like an Almodovar movie. Well, to me, Spanish cinema has always felt so far outside other, Yeah, you know, you could lump a lot of like regions on the map, I guess, together, several countries in a pocket and go look at cinema from this region. Right. But Spanish movies have always felt like another thing entirely. Yep. And they have their own logic and rules and just way of playing out which is a lot of what makes this movie weird. And then the other thing is, you know, the synopsis of the film reads more like an explainer of what the fuck is going on in it. It really does feel like experimental cinema. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think, I mean, I'll admit that this is completely from ignorance, but I think the director has something of a reputation, however you know, far that reaches, in experimental film far before this. I mean, I think um, I have read, and I don't know if it's true or if I'm remembering this right, but that a lot of the 8mm segments are from his own experimental films. Yeah. So, you know, this might be something of a name from just a, a, like you said, a corner of cinema that I'm just completely ignorant of and maybe accounts for like part of what's wild about it. You surely feel the power of it when you see it. You're suggesting that Sean William Scott made Arabato. (laughs) No, I'm suggesting (laughs) anything but that. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think you look at it and it just has like, it has enough too to package in like a trailer. Like you look at Marta's face as they're driving the car and it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, she's got this 
like world's biggest expression sure. on her face. Yeah, I mean the drugs and the yeah uh, sex and all of it. I started watching uh, recently. I started, you know, what is life without challenging yourself? Um, I started getting into the world of non-narrative cinema recently. Oh, um, so this is not that weird for you then, if it's in your well, it's it's weird. Here's why it's weird, right? Because it's not trying to be non-narrative, but it is operating at that level. So, you know, you, I, I watched, um, there's a Herzog documentary about uh, mirages. <laughs> That's, it's this non-narrative Herzog documentary about mirages. And uh, that was one of the first ones I watched. And, and that movie knows that it's non-narrative. There's no story. There's no plot. Mm-hmm. When you watch Arabato, if you watch it and go, I'm watching a non-narrative movie, the experience washes over you in a way that is very similar to watching a non-narrative movie where you're kind of taking each piece as like, how is this affecting me? What are they doing? What is the point of this? But the fact that it isn't non-narrative makes it bizarre. It's sort of this like uncanny valley between the two Yeah, where you're like, well, it's not non-narrative, but everything other than the narrative is non-narrative, which is bizarre. (laughs) Well, and what better to make a film about something to, I mean, I think there's also a piece of this that is a little accessible because they're more accessible than maybe it would otherwise be because of what it's about. Yeah. And because part of the story is, you know, eight millimeter home projected, it gives itself kind of a, like a, I don't know, permission structure, whatever fucking fancy phrase you want to use to, to invite people in to go, we're now going to sit down and watch some weird stuff. That's kind of yeah. part of the movie is hanging itself on being allowed to be weird. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think this is the biggest thing that's that's kind of changed with me since we started the show is... This is the biggest thing in 15 years. Let's go. Film-wise, yeah, maybe. Yeah, really. My, um, I have experienced this total perspective shift around the kind of magic of physical film. I mean, I can't even believe I'm saying it, to be honest with you. But, mm-hmm. you know, I remember when when we got into film and we talk about all this exciting digital stuff that was happening, mm-hmm. and it was very logical. It was very like, digital is exciting because of this. You can shoot forever. You can shoot yeah. in the dark. You can do this or that. It costs no money. This is the future, blah, blah, blah. Sure. And people would sort of reply and be like, yeah, but uh, analog is magic. And I'd be like, hey, fuck you, buddy. That sounds crazy. You're talking about the vinyl people. Yeah, the vinyl, 100% the vinyl people. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, part of it is that you spend a lot of time in digital, or I certainly did. I don't think people really do this much anymore, but so much of the work of early digital was trying to make it look like film still and not like yeah. bullshit. Yeah. And then the cameras got pretty good and looked fine in their own right. And I don't know if people chase that as much anymore i actually i have to support you and i have a very real world real world rationale for for how i can prove this how i can prove this so anybody who is listening to this show who was going to movies during the end of last year like pre-omicron pre-award season all of that stuff there's this thing that happened every time you went to a movie theater you would uh you'd sit down 
the trailers would start and you'd, you know, you'd get your fucking house of Gucci, your matrix resurrections. Uh, if it was the right time of year, you'd get your Spider-Man, you'd get, uh, maybe a Macbeth and then you'd get a licorice pizza uh. <laughs> and you know, the thing about the licorice pizza trailer is it was transcendent compared to every other trailer you watch. I'm not talking about the movie. I have nothing to say about the movie, but the fucking licorice pizza trailer, uh-huh. the way that it looked, the way that it felt. I mean, of course it was a well-cut trailer, but all of that is bullshit. It's a hundred percent because you watched a bunch of digital trailers and there was one, <laughs> one analog trailer jammed so in between funny. them so that funny. took you to another place. And then you were like, wait, what just happened? I thought we were, and I'll tell you, man, this probably didn't happen to everybody, but it happened to me. It would be trailer, trailer, licorice pizza, trailer, trailer, trailer. And then they go, and now your feature presentation. And I would be like, what am I watching? Is this not licorice pizza? (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I guess I'm seeing fucking no way home. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I, I would have disagreed with you prior to the licorice pizza trailer, but definitely best picture of 2021 was licorice pizza trailer. (laughs) And it's because it was analog. I think one of the things that would have helped me quantify it, I mean, there's so many, but one of the real, okay, so what does magic mean tangibly? You know, so much of this is a chemical process. And yeah, part of it is that it's it's completely unknown. But man, I just couldn't articulate at the time how much, like, you shoot something on film and it looks fucking great when you get it back. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't look anything like the way you intended it to look, you put the work in in the development and in the scanning and in all of that, and it just looks fucking great. Or you just, you know, have somebody do it for you. You have a I mean, I I don't think most people are like uh, you know, bathtub developing and building scanning mechanisms. This is like Eric's a crazy person type stuff. But when you get it back, it looks awesome. It looks like film. All film that you get looks like fucking film. And that's just great. And, you know, that's the stuff that hits me in Arabato is you get this eight millimeter reel. What does it look like? And you fucking project it. And eight millimeter is funny because it's like, it kind of looks like garbage, but it's still like kind of right. magical. Like nothing's it's in pretty focus. garbage. And the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like the resolution it's, it's is like terrible. It's like the bag in it's, American <laughs> Beauty. Yeah. 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 But you still, you still get it and you load it up and it makes the sounds. And there is, um, there's something that's also hitting exactly what we were talking about in one hour photo, which is like, I didn't have to get this through the internet. I didn't need a, fucking giant company to go through to like collect all my data in between me and the art everything was just immediately i took the picture and i crafted the thing together in my house and calibrated and now I'm the machine at it yeah, yeah fix the cyan levels oh. and yeah <laughs> and there it is and you know in a lot of ways Arabato is a movie about that kind of like haunted cassette you get that sort of like what is the power that's you know, embedded on these reels. And uh, I don't know, there there really is like a true believer part of it, man. There really is a part of me that would have scoffed at this movie before shooting film. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh man, I wish somebody would send me some eight millimeter reels in the mail. I'd fucking, I'd cancel everything for the rest of the day, put those on and just get like engrossed and 
what you, shooting. I mean, that's literally what happens. You yeah, literally like, disappear <laughs> into the film. Yeah, into somebody shooting a squirrel on a bench or, a, you know, a, yeah. like you said, yeah. a bag. That's really, that's literally it, right? Send me the dailies from the bag floating through the wind and I'll be just as enamored as when people saw that fucking thing in a theater. All right, let's get out of here. We got a movie next time. The website, uh, what do we got? We got a website, that's doublefeature.fm. The Patreon, which is of vital importance, please. That's uh, patreon.com forward slash doublefeature. Uh, we have some executive producers, which my lovely assistant will be so happy to read. Tenric Dinner, the Abbott of Reason, Tom Leonard, Tony Gleed, and John. Thanks for being on the Patreon. I'm sorry we're not on social media much. <laughs> If you send me a message on the Patreon, I'll send you uh, some photos I took that nobody's seen because I hate the internet. Great. There it is. I love that. I pretend the Patreon's not on the internet. It's like a special separate thing. <laughs> Patreon, <laughs> it the is. last it's good corner of the internet. Inside. Great. Yeah. All right, what are we doing uh, next well, no, time? There, there's one other good corner of the internet, which is the podcast, at least next week, potentially. We'll find out. Is right, it good? Right. Mysteries abound. Uh, next week on the show, we're going to do Cruising, which has Al Pacino and Clute, which has Jane Fonda. And really, I mean, what else do you need to, to, to show up next week? That's it. More overt... LGBTQ themes than Arabata. That's what you need just for next week. <laughs> we'll see if moreover it is better or worse. We'll find out. All right. Watch more fucking film. Bye.